Welcome to Debate and Discussion, a podcast presented by Xavier Newswire. I'm your host, Leighton Gamage. During this episode, I will be joined by guests who will debate controversial topics related to Xavier or current events. On today's show, we'll be discussing Biden's first year in office, along with any critiques students may have. We are now joined by Charlie Gustaldor and Joseph Cotton from Xavier Newswire. Let's jump right in. On a scale from 1 to 10, how would you rate Biden's first year in office? Joseph, let's start with you. Uh, hello, thank you for having me. Um, I think the Biden presidency has been frustrating and disappointed, disappointing, um, especially to um, the moment that we're in. So I'd give his presidency about a 1 out of 10, and I have you know, a few reasons. I guess I'll just get into them. Um, first, his COVID response has been um, terrible, to say the least. Um, it doesn't seem like he really has the political chops of, you know, politicians of yore, like a Lyndon B. Johnson or a um, FDR, who can really, like, inspire confidence um, in the country at this, you know, sort of dark time that we find ourselves in, uh, not just because of COVID, but because of all the things that COVID has caused. Um, so there's just like this general lack of reassurance that I think is coming from the top of our government. And I think that's really um, a failure on Joe Biden's part. Uh, the next would be his like testing, um, the issue of testing. There's really been um, a really unique failure on the part of the United States in terms of getting tests out to people who need them. It seems like every other country has them accessible, um, cheap, even free in some instances. And so just here in the United States, we haven't had any distribution. Um, when Biden finally did announce that he was getting masks, out, or I'm sorry, uh, COVID tests out to the American public uh, for free, um, it was some weird insurance company subsidy. So, it, you know, if you're part of um, the large percentage of people in this country who are uninsured, you know, you're kind of out of luck in that regard. Um, and then there's also just sort of been this like lack of really transformative change in what I think is a transformative moment, uh, a moment where we're, we're suffering as a country. Um, and then, you know, this sort of leads into the rest of his failures. I'll move on to his legislative failures. I think the way that he's allowed Mansion and Cinema to sort of rip apart his agenda uh, without putting seemingly any resistance uh, to it is is really disappointing, uh, especially because all of the provisions in this Build Back Better agenda, as it's been called, has sort of have been really popular with the American people. Um, most of them, such as like the child tax credit, um, pull well above 60 percent. And you can almost go down line by line in that legislation. And it's really popular with the American people. But he just refuses to play hardball with Manchin and Cinema and the uh, rest of the uh, Democrats who really don't seem to fall in line. Um, and, you know, when, when the Democrats want people to fall in line, they make it happen. Okay? So I don't understand why on this specific issue where it's, you know, economic relief uh, to the American people, why it has to be stall stalled, okay? Um, you know, they're going to use this as an excuse as they roll into the midterms 
but it's really not a good one, and it's not one that I think is going to land with the American people. Um, and then as we, um, as Biden's moved into the second part of his legislative agenda, um, as vague as it might be, the, the first issue is sort of the filibuster and its connection with voting rights, uh, needing to get voting rights through. He, he gave a really weak press conference where he basically said, hey, I'd like to get it done. I'd like to remove the filibuster and get voting rights in, but um, we'll try our best. And then immediately after that, Manchin and Cinema just gave a hard no. Um, and then again, it sort of speaks to his like inability or unwillingness to sort of play hardball in politics, which is um, something that we need out of our executive leader. Um, and then also he's been really silent with the executive order pen. Um, this one might be a little bit uh, controversial, but again, we're in a transformative moment in American history where a lot of people are hurting, not only from COVID-19, but from 2008 and um, just the general sort of downswing in how well off your average American is. Um, this is a really transformative moment, and he doesn't, again, he seems unwilling or unable to really rise to this occasion. Um, so there's been no action in terms of uh, decriminalizing marijuana, uh, something that Democrats uh, vaguely support. Um, relief on student debt, which he has uh, the executive authority to do under um, the Education Act. And then also... Um, he could cover uh, medical care for COVID costs uh, for, for COVID cases. And um, again, you know, you can say that some of these executive orders might be shut down by the courts, but let the courts strike them down. You know, it, it really shows that Biden, again, is unwilling to do these things because he won't even, you know, try to get them through the process. He's just kind of given up on his agenda. It seems like that. Um, the, the final thing I will say about the Biden presidency, though, is he did get us out of Afghanistan. I think it was way long overdue. Uh, you know, it's been going on for as long as I've been alive, um, more or less. Maybe, like, um, I think I was one when we got in. Uh, but it, it's been a reality my entire life, and to think that, um, you know, it took the courage of, of Biden to get out after what, 19, 20 years of it, I think that really speaks to uh, maybe his, his leadership skills or his ability to like stick with his principles. Um, but it's unfortunate that we don't see it through the rest of his presidency. So, Okay, Charlie, what are your opinions on the Biden presidency so far? I can't say I'm happy. You know, I don't think everyone can really say that they're truly happy and thrilled with how it's all gone. I guess you could start with the policy failures. I mean, obviously, there is the Build Back Better plan that did not pass. How much blame of that falls directly on the president? That's up to debate. But that was big. That did not pass. Voting rights legislation, another big agenda item, did not pass. Those are big hits. Um, honestly, you have the infrastructure bill. I'm from an area that has some pretty run-down bridges, you know. Um, so... It's nice for that. Actually, what I had heard is that the infrastructure bill and the version that was finally passed is that it includes money for local um, journalism, for local newspapers. And if that's true, I'll have to double check on that or maybe we'll have one of our fact checkers check me. But if that's the case, that is stellar. That is exactly what we need. 
you know and I mean sure I'm biased I'm speaking from a um, position as a student as a worker at a student newspaper but still it's print journalism local news is going by the wayside and if these local papers can get some money shot into them through the infrastructure bill that's amazing I'll switch over to uh, to COVID. COVID's where I feel that, I don't know, I'm, once again, I'm torn on Biden's COVID response. The disease is changing, the virus is changing, and with it, our response is to change, and I get, I get that, I know there's native hypocrisy with zero COVID, you know, living with COVID, but the authorization of boosters for the um, general public my understanding is that was done in no small part by a push from the White House. I'm certainly thankful. I was given the opportunity to get a booster. I had received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and especially as you know the virus mutated, I began to feel less and less secure in the protection that offered me. So being able to go and get a Moderna booster was a real, real benefit. Similarly, I applaud the distribution of N95 respirators. Um, for free to a number of pharmacies. I believe that Ohio, by the time this is published, Ohio's pharmacies should have some available. Um, again, good quality, high quality respirators are one of the best ways to protect oneself and others. Um, I guess discussing COVID, it's worth noting that I'm sending this in. I wasn't able to actually debate and discuss with Joseph because I have COVID. Um, tested positive and I'm feeling all right, but that's kind of the reality. I'm trying to think of other issues with the Biden administration. Um, that's kind of my thought. And now for our fun segment of the day. Chloe, take it away. Thanks, Leighton. So I attend uh, SGA every week, every Monday, 3 to 5, if you care to join. And today, Senator Nick Jebson, who's new to the administration, um, he kind of introduced the idea of putting printers in the residence halls. Um, Res Life, he said he reached out to Lori Lambert and that Res Life is kind of against it because they don't want like residents to have to go to their RAs all the time and be like, oh, the printer's broken, ah, the ink's out, ah, what are we supposed to do with our lives? And so Lori's against it. But um, technically auxiliary, auxiliary services are in charge of the printers and the ink and the stocking on that jazz. So they're meeting with Bill Moran next Monday and that's basically a bunch of boring information to get to the point that should printers be in res halls? Well, I can start since I currently live in Res Hall as a freshman. And um, my main concern is that if we aren't able to get tissue and paper towels reliably, what makes you think we're going to get ink reliably? Ooh. So Ooh. as much as I would love for printers to be in a Res Hall so I can stop walking to alter every time the one in, um, what's this place in? GSC. <laughs> GSC, yeah. <laughs> So I would love to stop walking to Alter every time the one in GSC fails. Um, I just don't see it actually working out fully. But I would love to have it. It's a great idea. I just want it to be more implicated, smoother than some of the other implications they have at the rest halls. I agree. I second that. Hunter, are you leaning close to the mic? Lean in. I think that it's a great idea. And, you know, this comes from somebody who has a printer in his room. You know, I live at, at Commons, and I have a printer, and it works fine. But, I mean, we have all this printing money to use, and in a way, it's somewhat inconvenient to use it, if you think about it, to where you have to walk somewhere across campus 
to go print something. My first year, I lived in Bangor, which wasn't close to any printer. It's almost a you know six, seven-minute walk from the third floor of Bangor just to get to GSE. And as you mentioned, Leighton, you know, half of the time the GSC printer isn't working, so you have to then go to all the other printers to find one that's working. And it would just be really, really convenient, I think, to have printers in the res halls, and it wouldn't be that much of a burden on the RAs if you just tell your residents, don't go to your RAs about printer issues. It's not their job or their problem. Like, that seems like a very simple solution. That was brought up, but then they say that most of the time, like, no one listens to that. Or even if you put, like, signage up that's like, please contact this number if the printer's not working, that, like, that's not really the lived experience. I think Dustin Lewis specifically brought up the lived experiences. Kids are trying to print stuff off at 7 a.m. before class, and they're freaking out, and, like, there's a tizzy. And so they just run to the nearest RA thinking that that's where they'll seek help the fastest instead of actually listening to the signage saying, don't go to the RAs about this. Instead, call the number. Students, follow instructions on the signs. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah, and also, like, like, I don't know if the printers are going to be, like, out 100% of the time. I'm sure they, they might go out once in a while. But um, I guess just, like, yell at your residents if they knock on your door at 5 in the morning asking to print something off. Um, but I will say, I think we're kind of distracted from the real problem. The real problem is people like Hunter <laughs> who bring printers and put them on ah. the on the Wi-Fi even though you're not supposed to. Now, uh-huh. how the hell am I supposed to win my Warzone lobby with <laughs> all of that lag? Now, I haven't, I haven't played Warzone in a minute, but back in the day... When Joseph Cotton was a freshman and a sophomore, it really drove me up a wall. So, well, w- what I'll say, Joseph, is that my printer is not connected to the Wi-Fi, but actually the Wi-Fi settings are disabled on said printer, as one is instructed to do, because some students follow instructions, unlike the ones who apparently had the lived experience of <laughs> going to the RS. That was, that was the phrase. <laughs> Nonetheless, no, mine, mine isn't connected, so I have a, a USB cable that connects directly to my laptop if I ever need to print something. It's not on the network. But I do know that there are printers that cause problems on the in Wi-Fi. And so what I'll counter with Joseph with is if they put printers in the res halls already, then you wouldn't need your own printer, and then it wouldn't cause the backup on the Wi-Fi because there's already one there convenient ready for you to use. I have a quick yeah. question for the logistics of the situation. Would ink be included in the dorm price for the printer if they put it in the rest hall? And if it is included, how much would that affect your stance on should printer or printing be available in the rest hall? Because for me, I I live in Brockman. Brockman has broken at least like 50 different exit signs over the <laughs> past like semester. And I'm a freshman. Yes. <laughs> so... At this point, I'm used to extra charges, and honestly, it would not affect my stance on printing. I feel like the price of ink, if divided up correctly, should not be to the point of where it should change someone's opinion on printing, but that could also be debatable. I think I hold a similar stance if it was supposed to be included, but I would print all the time to feel like I got my money's worth. (laughs) Um, However, it's actually the printers are in charge, or in the charge of auxiliary services. So um, 
technically SGA would have to be able to fund like the paper and the ink and the toner and all that jazz that comes with the printers. Um, and then SGA would have to set an allotment of that money each new year, like renew the uh, budget. I think it's a great. I think it's a great investment. I think the students would really enjoy that, and I think that there is a lot of SGA executive funds, especially that end up going unused. I actually got the number for the amount of funds they have, and I think it's like nine hundred seventy. Nine hundred seventy thousand this year. Yeah, that's almost a million, folks. From the student activity fee, but yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing is, you want to take the money and buy printers and put them into dorm halls. Do you want to check on that number? I was gonna say I did just check on that number. (laughs) That's the student activity fee budgeting committee is going to be created very soon, and they'll meet once and talk about that. And they have nine hundred seventy thousand to allocate to clubs and UAOs. But I don't have the exact number on what is specifically with the executive fund versus the senate fund and all that jazz. Right. Well, that's. I have a director of finance this year. (laughs) Oh man, how are they gonna figure it out? I Um, think I think we should take all that money and buy like quantum computers that print people's assignments. Then what would okay. SAC do? <laughs> then what's SAC what good would for? SAC do? What is SAC useful hey, for? They'll Not live. That. They'll live. <laughs> I guess that's another debate. <laughs> another time. Well, any closing arguments on this should dorms have printers issue? I think we need more printers and more reliable printers and more like access to ink and all that jazz supposed to come with it but maybe not within the res halls i know someone brought up like putting it maybe in the justice hall atrium like just having it more spread out over campus so people who are in third floor banger walking six to seven minutes to get to gsc where it's inconvenient would have something closer but i don't know i don't know the res halls it seems a little complicated in my opinion but we'll see where it goes i'm open to anything i would love a printer in my res hall um, I don't really care because I'm graduating, but... Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Joseph. Final stance. Nice. Well, I'm graduating too, but I do care because I care about the future experiences of yeah. Xavier students, <laughs> like lovely Chloe and Leighton over here, and, you know, do it. SGA? Nick Jebson. Listen, <laughs> there's been a lot of criticism from a lot of different students about SGA, some of them sitting in this room, some of them not. But (laughs) (laughs) what I will say is that, you know, students are looking for you to make a tangible difference on their experience at Xavier. Here, here. And this is something where you can point to something tangibly and say, look what we were able to accomplish. And to the Xavier administration, your job is to provide an experience that is beneficial to students on all fronts. Xavier University shouldn't promote any policies that actively inconveniences the students. One of those policies currently is the inconvenience of having to walk incredibly far on campus (laughs) for printing. So Xavier University, SGA, you can make this right. Get us some printers in the res halls. Um, As a freshman, I have three or four more uh, semesters left on campus at Xavier. As someone who, um, you know, has to constantly print lab reports and constantly have to print papers and stuff like that i would love to print and have printers near me i don't like walking to the gsc like two minutes before class just to maybe be able to print this assignment and if both printers and alter in the gsc are broken 
what am I going to tell my teachers? I waited till the last minute. I'm irresponsible. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, so, no. The truth, never. The truth, not. Nah. <laughs> uh-uh. So I personally think having them in the lobby area of each dorm or maybe having them in the basement of each dorm. Or I know some dorms have extra rooms like Banger Music Hall or the Banger Music Room. Having it there. I feel like there's plenty of ways to do this correctly. And plenty of ways to do this wrong. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) That's all for today's show. You can listen to debate and discussion and all other Zero Newswire multimedia productions on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Zero Newswire to find our shows. Thank you to XUFM for allowing us to use their equipment for the recording of this podcast. We'd love to give a special shout out to our entire crew who help us produce this show. Editor-in-Chief, Alex Bozinski. Print Managing Editor, Mo Junger. Managing Multimedia Editor, Hunter Ellis. Show Manager, Will Pembroke. Audio Editor, Sebastian Aguilar. Staff Contributors, Joseph Cotton, Charlie Castalder, and Chloe Salveston. And AV Technician, Lily Cotton. I'm your host, Leighton Gamage, signing off. <laughs>